0: either in some cases inadequate or in some cases have this imposter syndrome that I spoke of earlier, where you kind of show up and you want to be perfect in everything you do. And that can be counterproductive because then what happens is you can, you can see a little bit of where you're hard on yourself. And if you give yourself that grace of saying, you know what, I might show up today and it might not be perfect, but if I come in and I do my best, that is still progress. Hello, it's Marcy Bullock with Season 2 of your favorite Career Readiness Podcast. Learn tips on personal and professional development hear inspiring stories of overcoming
1: obstacles. I devote my life to helping other people figure out what to devote theirs to. This is Marcy Bullock with the most important five Ps. Stay present, trust the process, explore your path,
0: release the pressure valve, and unleash your potential.
1: Welcome to WPAC Career Chats. I am Shade Proctor, a junior majoring in business administration with an information technology concentration. And today we are live in class with Kayla Wachowski. Hi, Kayla. Hi, Shade. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing excellent. Yes. Excited for this. Yes. All of us in class are totally excited just to get your insight of your career and everything that you've been doing. So how about we just get started? That sounds perfect. Okay, so we're going to start with the classic elevator pitch. So Kayla, can you tell us about yourself? All right, sure. Well, I would be remiss to not start my
0: elevator pitch in today's discussion by starting with that I am a passionate Wolfpack alumni myself, so thanks for having me on this call today. I graduated back in 2011 from the Pool College of Management with a undergraduate in business administration with a concentration in human resources and a minor in French. Um, I am born and raised in Cleveland, Ohio, and spent about 13 years in Raleigh and um, spent most of that time, obviously, at NC State, but then also working for two major technology corporations. Right now, I am the senior manager of university recruiting at SAS, who is the Leader of Data Analytics Solutions, headquartered right here um, where NC State is in Raleigh. And, but I'm calling in today from actually Cleveland, Ohio. So I recently went back to my roots and where I was born and raised in Cleveland and um, looking forward to hopefully being able to share some knowledge with, with you all today related to careers. My entire career journey post-college has been in the field of university recruiting so about a decade now in helping students really uncover their passions and really aligning them with job opportunities. To me, there's been nothing more inspiring and exciting than to really give that opportunity to students to start their career right out of college. Um, Just has been an absolutely rewarding career. So
1: looking forward to being here, Shade. Thanks for having me. Yes, we're totally happy you're here. And coming from Cleveland, Ohio, it must be not that much of a time difference. Actually, same exact time difference. It doesn't uh, really? switch over
0: until Indiana. So that's been a fortunate thing in my move is I haven't switched time zones for many of my coworkers that are in North Carolina.
1: Well, that's great. I'm coming from somewhere hidden, so probably don't want to know where I'm at. But let's ask you, how did you get started at SAS?
0: Sure. Um, so I've been at SAS now for about six years, and to really um, give you the full picture Um, Prior to being at SAS, I was at another large technology firm doing university recruiting at the time and started there right out of college in a very administrative role, kind of doing offer letters and interview scheduling and a lot of the entry-level work associated with recruitment. Um, Spent some time in a recruiting role where I was actually helping to work with hiring managers to identify their hiring needs and then find the right talent to fill that position. So I did that for Uh, this large uh, employer called NetApp, um, both in their RTP office, but then also spent some time in their headquarters in Sunnyvale, California. Um, And then I did move back to RTP while still with NetApp and worked in a role where I was responsible for building relationships with universities, which is actually when Marcy and I started to cross paths in the university realm. Um, My role at that point was a campus manager in university recruiting. So really helping to spread um, the word about NetApp's brand at the time and help build them as an employer of choice. So at that time, I had worked in those three various roles and ended up getting a LinkedIn message actually from SAS that they were looking for somebody to uh, rebuild their intern program. They had had an intern program for quite some time, but were looking for somebody to just come in and add it, add a little bit more strategy to it. Um, really changed the way that we seek out talent, changed the way that the company views their interns, ensuring meaningful work and giving them opportunities for full-time employment. And when I was approached about this opportunity, I honestly, at the time, I had no interest of leaving NetApp. I probably would have retired at NetApp, amazing company to work for. Um, but I had heard about SAS's amazing corporate reputation and best place to work environment. So I had to take the call. And then once I had my interviews, I just knew, um, that this was an opportunity I couldn't pass up, both because SAS's culture was so amazing and everybody I spoke to was just so nice and welcoming, but even more so because I saw it as an opportunity, really going from a team of 11 doing university recruiting at NetApp um, to then really coming in and, and they're not even being an established university recruiting team at the time I joined. So saw it as an opportunity to maybe broaden my horizons and to grow my career. So that's kind of how I landed at SAS.
1: Wow, that's awesome. And you know what's interesting is I actually went to the Poole College of Management Career Fair, and SAS was actually one of the companies I wanted to talk to, but unfortunately, all the slots were filled. But I did actually talk to NetApp. Okay. So can you kind of tell us about, even at NetApp, but also at SAS as well, about the intern program that you created at SAS? Yeah, i Yeah, I'm happy
0: to. Absolutely. And uh, bummer that we weren't able to have an opportunity to connect at the career fair. That's one of the interesting things with these virtual career fairs is you have these specific slots you need to sign up for. And while we had a lot of helpers, sometimes I think we underestimate how popular um, our slots are going to be at a school like NC State. But anyways, the intern program at SAS, you know, again, when I first joined, we, we, we took in a lot of interns. But it wasn't necessarily uh, part of our strategy for our workforce planning, and what I mean by that is, a lot of our interns weren't receiving full-time offers, and honestly, at that time, a lot of our interns were only coming from a couple universities. It wasn't very um, diverse in, in the types of universities that we were going um, after. So now, our intern program, I'm very pleased to say, is ranked one of the top 100 intern programs in the nation, and and partially. Um, actually fully because of the amazing university recruiting team that really um, pours into making sure this is a great experience for students. And that experience is really rooted in meaningful work. When we assign any internship throughout the company, it doesn't get approved unless we feel confident that the work is going to be impactful to the company, but that also the student's going to walk away and feel like, wow, I actually accomplished something. I either fixed this problem or I created this piece of software or I was able to um, develop this automation tool for our software developers. So we're very um, big on making sure that the work is going to be meaningful. We also create an internship experience where you get to hear from our executives, you get to interact with the other interns. We have um, mentoring opportunities and we have uh, events to help build soft skills like LinkedIn um, profile building and then all the way through to public speaking skills. Uh, So just a really um, great kind of offering of developmental events over the course of the summer. Uh, My favorite part of our intern program though is our intern expo, which happens at the end of the summer, which is essentially the capstone of the intern program, where students have the opportunity to present back their work to the entire employee population we invite to attend these sessions. We've have had interns after the session be hand-selected to go represent their work to our CEO. Um, and this past summer, we had a virtual intern expo and we had employees from all across the globe actually logging into our intern presentations to hear about the great work that our interns are doing. So. Um, we put a lot of time and effort in making sure it's a great experience. And then to the point that I made earlier, making sure now our interns, if they're hired, that we're being very mindful about our ability to give them full-time offers where we can um, so that it is a meaningful way of bringing the next generation of talent into the company. So those are a few of the ways that our intern program has really progressed over time.
1: Yeah, that is totally awesome. And you kind of gave not only me, but our class and our listeners, a great insight of the type of internship program that you guys have. So that is totally awesome, Taylor. No, oh, I'm happy to help. Yeah. So you went from NetApp to SAS and you were a recruiter at both of them, right? Correct. Yeah. So did you always want to be a recruiter or like tell us about your journey from college to career?
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm so excited to be able to share some of this because NC State played a big part of this, and I think there's some really important career nuggets that you all can take from this discussion. So when I first uh, went to NC State, I, again, was from Cleveland, Ohio, went to NC State not knowing a single soul, so I kind of took a risk. Um, I received some scholarships and was a first-generation college student, so that was really important to me to make sure that I wasn't going to be in too much student loan debt at the point that I graduated, so that's what brought me to North Carolina. Um, My father, and again, first generation college student, he was really um, guiding me into this field of accounting, saying that um, the jobs were going to be in accounting, Kayla, you should go to school, be an accountant, work for the government, find stability. So he was giving me these thoughts. And, you know, so I, I did. I went to NC State planning to be an accounting major. And then I took my first accounting class. (laughs) And some may have loved that class. Uh, I actually married a CPA, so um, I see what he does every day and he is perfectly aligned to the skill set for that job. Sitting in that class, I quickly realized that maybe accounting wasn't right for me. I'd like more to be in front of people. I'm a connector, I enjoy kind of matchmaking. And then initially at that time, I said, OK, if it's not going to be accounting, what is it going to be? Um, so I, I honestly, I switched my concentration to marketing just kind of on a whim, um, knowing that I enjoy products branding. I enjoy advertising. And then I ended up starting to work in the pool College of Management um, office. So I was a I was a peer leader at NC State and through that ended up with a part-time job. And one of my mentors became the, at the time, Associate Dean of, of the College of Management, um, Dean Davis, Shannon Davis. And she has a background in human resources. And she um, shared with me that based on what she was observing of me in that in that working experience, that maybe human resources would be a good field for me to consider. Without her guidance and mentorship, I would never have even known that human resources was a field. So that's point one is to find mentors and people that can surround that surround you. I've heard Marcy is doing this for many of you in this class to help you leverage your strengths and understand what careers you might align to. So when she said human resources, I switched my concentration. I took my first kind of general HR classes and then I said to myself, wow, human resources is so broad. You know, I was taking a compensation and benefits class. I was taking a labor relations class. I was taking leadership development, training development. So I was a little confused around what avenue makes most sense for me. Took a recruiting class as well. So I had some internships and it was really within those internships. I had one that I worked in kind of more administrative HR. I had an internship where I was more in kind of a leadership type position Um, And then I had one of my internships at the time at BMW Manufacturing, where I was hired to be a training and development intern. So I was responsible for doing all of the manuals for the classes they were doing for those that were on the manufacturing line building the vehicles. And I found that in my work, I was maybe only spending, I don't know, 15 hours a week on my work. And for the rest of the time, I was a little bored. So I ended up going to the recruiter that hired me and said, and I know right now you're really busy. Do you need some help? So that was kind of lesson number two, I guess, um, in all of this is if you are in an internship, you find yourself bored, explore other opportunities because you don't know what doors it might open. And so she said, come help me. Um, You know, I have these interviews that are coming up for our next round of interns. Would love for you to review some resumes, help plan for the interview day. And then as I got into that work, I said, oh, my gosh, can I get paid to do this? This is so much fun. Um, I'm a matchmaker. My friends have always said that, you know, Kayla is the person that will, you know, bring one person and bring the other person and connect them and form relationships and, Um, So I I really found my passion in that internship. So at the point that I was approaching graduation, I actually was already working at the time with the government. You guys probably remember my dad saying, get a job in accounting or go work for the government. The government's a very stable uh, place to work. So I was working at the EPA at the time. They had already given me a full-time offer, but I was able to dig deep and remember that internship and say, Gosh, I loved recruiting. I just loved everything about it. It made me so happy. It was something that if I could get paid to do this, I feel like it wouldn't be work. So even though I had a very stable full-time job and I was kind of following what my dad had told me to, I decided to take a risk. So this would be, I guess, bullet point number three would be be open to stretching your comfort zone and go after what you, you want. Um, I actually accepted that job at NetApp as a contractor, not even a full-time job. Just because I knew recruiting was something I wanted to do, and um, I'm so glad I made that decision. It took a little while to get a full-time job, but I went in, I worked hard, and um, loved every second of it. So that's kind of how I ended up in recruiting after a lot of changes of majors and different decisions and different exposures and um, internships, mentorships, taking risks would all be advice I would give that could help you land where you want to be.
1: Yeah, you know, that is totally just like awesome. your insight, you know, I kind of changed my major like plenty of times. And Marcy actually can tell you this, um, I, my parents wanted me to actually go to the military. And I got here and I was an English major to political science and now where I'm at, which is information technology. So I get your struggle and I know it had to have been kind of scary actually changing your major as multiple times as you did. So what is a fear you had actually entering the workforce? I think the one fear
0: that I had, or one thing that honestly, I had to overcome, and it took me a little while, was this feeling that I needed to prove myself. A fear that maybe I wasn't enough, a fear that, uh, you know, I had this imposter syndrome that maybe Um, I'm expected to know certain things, and I wish I would have known that nobody expected me to have all the answers, especially right out of college. You know, that coming, coming right from college, that people are willing to invest in you, people are willing to allow you to make some mistakes, and that there is so much to be gained with the simple three words of I don't know. And I actually for a while out of college, um, I got some feedback from my boss at the time saying, Kayla, uh, you know, you you enter in a meeting with this position that you already have the answers. And I'm going to need you to ask more questions and to be more curious and not to come in feeling as though you have the answers. And looking back, I, I felt like that was. Me trying to feel like I needed to prove myself. And there was one kind of pivotal moment where this all came to light. I remember I was a recruiter right out of college and I was working with this manager who had a very specific hiring need. It was very PhD related, it was very, very technical. And I never studied technology. So the idea of computer science and all of that was foreign to me. And um, so I, I was giving him resumes and uh, he ended up going to my boss and saying, You know, Hela's is not giving me what I need here. And my boss had a conversation with me and, and said, Kayla, you know, this manager came to me and, um, and I used that as motivation. And I took a step back and I said, you know what? I haven't asked him enough questions. I don't want to feel dumb and say, well, when you say C++ programming language, can you tell me more about what that means? Or you say that you need a PhD in, in this very specific focus. I didn't ask the question of, well, where can you maybe find some of those people? So I learned very early on that my fear of needing to have the answers was not, it was completely untrue and I just needed to come in showing some vulnerability and being willing to learn and being willing to ask questions and being open uh, to potentially in some cases in my mind, it's not looking dumb asking questions. In fact, it makes you look more, um, truly makes you more curious and makes people understand that you're really willing to truly understand and um, not appear to know. So that was a, a good lesson for me early in my career.
1: Yeah. And a mantra of yours is progress over perfection. Do I have that right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. When I read about that, um, when I was doing research about you, I was like, I love that. Everything <laughs> about it. So can you like tell us about that mantra? And what what does that mean to you?
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, it it applies both personally and professionally. But to start um, professionally, I use it a lot. I I manage a team now. And a lot of times I find that great work can be inhibited because you're always trying to get to this place of an absolute perfect uh, deliverable. And sometimes that can make things take way too long. And sometimes it can impede progress. And Uh, An example would be, you know, if somebody is about to go give a presentation to the university students and you spend so much time on every single detail of the PowerPoint because you want it to be perfect and you want everything to be perfectly placed. And then you realize it would allow for more progress if I didn't focus on those things and just got in and, and sent a great message. So that'd be a great example of, you know, taking that step for progress and, and not spending too much time on perfection. Also, from a personal standpoint, um, I tend to find this in myself, and I've spoken to a lot of students and others that tend to feel this way, too, that you put a really heavy bar on yourself. And that bar for perfection can sometimes make you feel either in some cases inadequate or in some cases have this imposter syndrome that I spoke of earlier where you kind of show up and you want to be perfect in everything you do. And that can be counterproductive because then what happens is you can, you can see a little bit of where you're hard on yourself. And if you give yourself that grace of saying, you know what? I might show up today and it might not be perfect, but if I come in and I do my best, that is still progress. And you show up with that mindset and that mentality, that's where you grow. And that's where you start to learn new things. That's when you start to um, be able to to get closer to your best self because you're allowing yourself that grace to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes. So. Um, progress over perfection comes into, you know, my day to day and when I'm doing work, you know, let's not spend a ton of time fine tuning every single piece of an email. Let's click send and get it out and the message will be well received all the way through to, um, you know, how I try to show up every single day as a, as a mother, as uh, a friend, as a coworker, worker um, and try to give myself a little bit of grace.
1: Yeah, of course. And just as a college student in the USC 202 class, just listening to your story is actually insightful and progress over perfection. Just by listening to you, we can tell that you exude that every day. So I know we have our students ready for questions, but one thing that we have due actually are cover letters. And just want to know, as a recruiter, I know you see cover letters all the time. So do you have any tips about that?
0: Yeah, this came up in a conversation a couple of days ago with another group of students as well and the idea of cover letters has kind of um taken a couple different positions. If a company requires a cover letter, definitely do it. I will say in speaking with other recruiters, not always do they have the ability and the time to read cover letters on every single application given the amount of volume that they might get. So, I would recommend if you are going to write a cover letter to address it to not only the recruiter but also the hiring manager, because oftentimes those cover letters are read by more than just a recruiter. So, I'll, I'll start there. Um, I'll say the purpose of a cover letter in the instances where you submit one is to describe things about you that are not inherently uh, gains through your resume. So, with that, it could be more details around your intention for wanting to work at that employer. It could be where you feel your personal skills and abilities and competencies align to the job in ways that might not be demonstrated in your resume. So a couple of examples, examples of this might be, you know, my name is Shadé. I did research on SAS and found that your values are that you're authentic, accountable, curious, and passionate. When I read those values, I personally saw myself working at your organization because those four things are something that I believe I possess. Here is how I am authentic. Here is how I'm accountable. Here is how I am passionate. Here is how I'm curious. While us as recruiters, we can look at your resume and see certain things. We can see That you're a host of a podcast, Sade, and that you're attending and listening to these podcasts sometimes could be put on your resume as activities or that you're attending this class. But we're having to deduce from the things that we're seeing who you are. So if you're going to write a cover letter, spend some time sharing who you are as a person, not just your skills that are listed on your resume, not your work experience. This would be a great time to just uncover a little bit about what makes you unique and a lot of times it can be what is making you interested in the company as well. So that'd be my biggest advice is if you're going to do a cover letter, make sure it's providing unique value above your resume. Make sure it's describing a little bit about who you are and get into some detail around why you're interested in working at that company, because that's not something you can share in a resume. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel like my cover is always a work in progress. So everything you say, I'm going to definitely take it all to heart. And hopefully our students does that well. And so we're about to open up the floor to questions. And I kind of want to go back into talking about SAS really quick before we get to our last question, before we open up the floor. And basically, how do you suggest a student or a colleague or a peer network with you or anybody at SAS?
0: Yeah, first and foremost, attend any of the events that we're registered for. Um, we do do the career fairs at NC State. We do tend to do um, different events and activities. Um, you can look at our jobs that are on EPAC, of course, to actually apply to our jobs that we have posted. Um, there is a tool called Handshake that is not used necessarily by NC State, but as a student, you're actually able to create an account even though it's not tied to NC State. And we have several events that are posted on Handshake that we're doing that are virtual. So we're doing things like resume reviews. We're doing things like panels of hires, um, past hires that you can hear from about a day in the life of uh, at the company. So I would definitely recommend um, checking out Handshake, creating an account and taking a look at our profile to attend some of those events. And then lastly, um, you definitely want to visit sascom forward slash intern to see all of our internship opportunities. Uh, Get a a good look at um, past examples of intern stories. And then you can feel free to connect with myself and others on LinkedIn, too, and, and make that connection on LinkedIn as well.
1: Yeah, definitely a connection request coming from me. So (laughs) now we're at our last question before we open it up to the floor for our students. So imagine you are in the year 2040. What advice would you give the Kayla of today? 20 years from now. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to age myself
0: a little bit at that time. I'll be 50. So what advice could I give myself um, today? Uh, first and foremost, and um, this may not resonate immediately, but I, I'm a new mother, so I will probably tell myself to make sure that I'm spending as much time as possible with my one-year-old daughter and making the most of those memories because I've heard from people like Marcy and others that it goes by really fast, and I've already seen that in the first year of her life. Um, Second, I would say I've already experienced this in the past about 10 years of working that sometimes the things that feel most important in the day that you're having, Uh, 10, 20 years from now won't be the things that are important. So I always try to remind myself, um, you know, what can I focus on that's going to make people feel good, make people feel a certain way. Because I also love the phrase of people will tend to forget about what you did. People will tend to forget about what you said, but people will never forget how you made them feel. So if every day I can be doing something to make somebody feel important, make somebody feel empowered, make somebody feel inspired, make a voice be heard that otherwise wouldn't be heard. If I'm doing those things today, hopefully the Kayla 20 years from now or I guess 30 years from now or 20 years from now when I'm 50 years old, we'll look back and say you made the best use of your time.
1: I have no doubt that you will be able to do that. So let's open it up for questions. How about that? First, we have
0: Caroline, can you, um, you ask your question? Hey there, Kayla. Um, my question was, how did you focus in on the industries that you have worked with for internships and the companies that you've worked with? Great question, Caroline. Thanks for asking. And it's it's an important one because there are so many industries from tech to finance to education. There's so many different routes. How did I narrow in? Um, honestly, a lot of trial and error. My internships were more so opportunities that um, came to me, whether it be through professor connections or whether it be through actually my internship where I found the passion that I'm in today, university recruiting, I got at the Pool College of Management Career Fair. Um, And in each of those instances, I was able to test. So in that internship, I was able to test manufacturing with BMW. I had an internship with target where I was able to kind of test the retail industry. And then in retail, I found that the hours were pretty crazy. Um, in manufacturing, I found that HR and manufacturing can be a a little different than maybe in some other industries. And then, um, tech was not an industry I had spent any time in before I accepted my job at NetApp. But I'll say for me, um, I immediately knew the tech industry is where I wanted to be. And reasons being is one, if you look at the jobs of the future, they're in tech a lot um, in terms of, you know, software development, computer programming, you know, now being at a data analytics company, all the buzz is around AI and machine learning. And that's what SAS does. But then the environment of the workplace just kind of aligns to me. So I would ask yourself some questions. Do you prefer to work on a structured schedule? Um, or do you prefer to have a little bit more leniency in how you spend your, your time in your day? Um, do you prefer a more buttoned up environment where you have to show up in a suit? Or do you prefer an environment where you can be um, in even t-shirts and sweats in some cases at some employers? Um, do you prefer a, a typical traditional work hours of a nine to five? Or do you would you be okay with a job that pulls you into some weekend hours? And then... Asking yourself to where do your passions lie? And what I mean by this is if you're passionate about sports, there could be ways that you do finance for the sports industry. If you're passionate about healthcare, there could be ways that maybe you do marketing for a healthcare organization. And you'll tend to find that if you align your passion with your work, you're going to come in so much more inspired every single day. So I'd first ask yourself some pieces around work environment and then do some research around what those work environments look like in different industries and then ask yourself where your passions align and see if there's ways that you can connect the dots between what you're going to do and where your passions are. Thank you so much for that in-depth process on that. I'm...
1: You're welcome, Caroline. Okay. So at the Caroline, we have Sari. Sari, can you ask your question? Yes. Okay. Mine's very similar to Caroline's, but, um, So you said you came into college not really knowing necessarily what you wanted to do. How did you find those internships? Like did you just, like you said, you tested different things. Is that how you like thought of the different internships to
0: try? Um, Just like how did you figure out through those internships like where you wanted to go? Yeah, you know each one kind of came to me in a different fashion. I would say um, make good connections with your professors. Your professors are often connected to industry. Marcy, again, great example, connected with so many recruiters. And she has hand-selected different candidates to bring over to me before. So she'll know you really well. And we take those referrals very seriously. Um, Go to the career fairs, you know, and go to the career fairs, not with the intent of necessarily landing an internship every time, but just exploring, learning about what other companies have to offer, seeing if you make any connections with recruiters that feel genuine and authentic. Um, All of those ways are really helpful. So for me, it was really professor connections. I got the job at um, the EPA through a professor connection. I had an internship that was unpaid at the AICPA, the um, American Institute for Certified Public Accountants, which is funny because of my initial focus in accounting. But that was through a professor connection. Um, but then my internship at Target and at BMW were both through the career fair. So, you know, really take advantage of those offerings that are given to you through your your career services partners. And um, you'd be surprised how many companies too are specifically part- targeting Wolfpack students because they know how great they are. And with that, um, you know, it's just taking those opportunities to make connections with recruiters and, and really building great relationships with the people around you. Thank you. You're welcome.
1: Okay, so I believe that was our last question. And on behalf of the USC 202 students, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us, Kayla. Yes, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. And good luck to everybody that's
0: listening. Good luck to those of you that are in class today as you're doing this career search. I understand it could be a little um, tricky to navigate at times, but just know that it's okay to not have your full plan figured out and that, A lot of times when you ask people if they're exactly where they thought they would be, nine times out of ten, the answer is no. So it's okay. Um, Things kind of will um, turn out how they're supposed to. So long as you're working hard, presenting your best self, building meaningful relationships, um, good things will come your way. So I wish you the best
1: of luck. Thank you,
0: Taylor. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.